Hey guys, welcome to the Modern Exiles podcast. I am so happy that you are here. Um, so this uh, specific uh, episode is actually a teaching that I did uh, back in York, England, um, and it's not with um, sort of the context of what we're going to be talking about this collection, but I think it is good to listen to to kind of get your mind in, um, I guess, the, the heart of where we're coming from um, and how... Uh, resting in Jesus is a big part of what we're looking for because uh, as we are Christians or exiles on this earth we are longing to rest in the presence of the Lord and in this age that we live in an age full of distraction and all this kind of stuff um, how do we how do we experience more renewal in our lives how do we experience um, change real change in our life while we're on this earth so so while this the sermon isn't specifically in the context of you know maybe the exile or speaking of um some of those texts that we're going to be looking at uh, i think it's a good uh message to get our hearts aligned with kind of the heart of of renewal that we're striving for as exiles on earth um so yeah enjoy is light let's pray Dear Jesus, we come here together as, as, as one body, as your family, to, to hear from you, Father. Jesus, we know that you are here. We know that you are in this place. And so, Father, I pray that through me, God, you would speak by your spirit, that what is spoken today wouldn't be from me, but it'd be directly from you. So I pray that you would anoint my lips. And so, Father, teach us how to rest in you. Teach us how to rest in your presence so we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So the, the question I want to start out with is, is something that I've been meditating on a lot recently. It's how do we rest in a culture that constantly demands our attention? How do we properly rest? How do we intentionally rest in Jesus in a culture that is constantly demanding our attention? Whether that be um, social media whether that be our jobs, whether that be working nonstop. How do, we, how do we intentionally rest in a culture that constantly demands our attention? And in the distracting digital age, in an age of burnout, in an age of restlessness, in an age of consumerism, how do we rest in Jesus? And my, the other question I have for you guys before we get started is, how do we expect to become more like Jesus? And how do we expect to fall more in love with Jesus if we're constantly distracted? We have, we have everything buying for our attention 24-7. And as Nancy kind of mentioned earlier, our, you know, we're kind of sucked into our phones. And even though phones can be used in a great way, it's, it's often kind of the thief of, of our attention. And so there's a lot of things, not even just our phones, that are, that are demanding our attention in our kind of 2020 culture. Um, and so how do we rest in a culture that constantly demands our attention? And so I kind of want to talk about before we dive into the text, our kind of modern problem. And, and, and what I've noticed, especially in New York and kind of Western culture, is that hurry and distraction has become like a cultural normality. Like it's just, it's just normal to be distracted. It's normal to be really busy. It's normal to, like when you, say, when you see someone, for example, at a coffee shop, they're like, hey, how have you been? You go, oh, I've been really busy, right? It just, it's normal for us to, to say those things. Because we live in a culture that's just advancing in, in distraction, advancing in being distracted. And so modernly speaking, we're like at this all-time high of, of being consumed um, by the world. And especially 
the, the crazy part about this kind of uh, modern distraction that we're living in is it's not even just in a secular sense. Like, it, yeah, of course, it's, it's definitely going up and we're becoming more distracted as humans. But this, this kind of idea of hurry, this idea of the more you do, the busy you are, the more successful you are, is beginning to kind of sneak into the church. And so in a secular perspective, you know, we might look at that and say, oh, you know, that's fine. They're, they're, they're busy. But in, in, in the church, the problem is that more and more Christians are given less time to God and less of hearing his voice and more time to be in hurry and being in hurry and, and being busy. And especially in, in New York City, as I mentioned earlier, this is a constant temptation for me in a culture that's just constantly going. Literally, if you go to Times Square, it's just like, advertisement after advertisement after advertisement just buy this sell this we want this from you and it's so easy to give into that cultural norm of of busy and of hurry so everything's selling for your attention and the fact that this ungodly principle has kind of snuck into the churches we see not only pastors and leaders but we see christians all around the world starting to burn out we see Christians and, and, and leaders, all these people who are spending less and less time with Jesus. Um, and because of it, byproduct of, of that is, is people burning out. Because they're not learning how to walk at a godly pace. And so something I want us to think about as, as we look at this text is how far can we go in life without sitting and resting in the presence of Jesus? And because of this byproduct of hurry, believers are struggling to, to hear the voice of the Lord. And another question I have for you, is it, is it possible that our lack of hearing God's voice in our kind of modern age isn't technically God's fault, it's actually our fault because we're too distracted to actually incline and listen to what he might have to say to us? And so some context and background for, for Matthew um, chapter 11 so this is obviously, you know, after Jesus taught the Beatitudes, he's healing the sick, he's working miracles, he's correcting religious leaders and Pharisees, and he teaches his disciples how to practice walking with him, right? And in the chapter before, chapter 11, chapter 10, Jesus calls his 12 disciples, you know, he gets them all together, and he sends them out, and he, and he calls them to, to walk in power. And so in this, Jesus, in his teaching to his disciples, um, in, their, in their ministry, he brings up hard but fundamental truths to the Christian faith. And so in chapter 10, before chapter 11, some of the things that Jesus brings up to his disciples and the realities of life is that one, persecution will come, right? Jesus teaches to his disciples, uh, persecution will come and he, and he tells them what that looks like, right? And in chapter 10, he also tells them having no fear, right? Because we live, and they lived in a culture full of fear. So Jesus teaches them that as well. Jesus teaches the disciples to take up their cross and to follow him. And so Jesus teaches these, these realities, these difficulties of following him. And, and the reason why he teaches his disciples these lessons is because when hard time comes, when hard times come, when our faith is tested, and when we tend to forget, we can cling to Jesus. And so like I said, we're going to be breaking Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 into three parts. We're going to be, we're going to be looking at, come to me, all who labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So let's start verse 28, the beginning of verse 28. It says, come to me. 
What I want to do before anything is I think it's so common for us to read through this so quickly and just read the rest of the verses, right? It's like, come to me, all who labor, and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. That's good. But let's, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's, let's really look at what Jesus is saying here. He says, come to me. Guys, the significance in those three simple words before he says anything else, come to me. Jesus, he starts with this epic invitation. And these, these three words, come to me, are essentially like a, a summary or of, of the Bible, right? The narrative of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible is, is, is what? It's God desiring intimacy with man all throughout. From Genesis until Revelation, you can, you can see in every character and every story that God is desiring intimacy with man and women. From Exodus, right, into the exile, into the prophets, God has been saying, I want to be with you. And I, I want you to be with me. So these simple words come to me show the overall heart of God throughout the entire Bible. And here, Jesus in this verse is saying, come to me. And what I love about the Bible is we, we know that even it literally starts in Genesis 127, when God creates man, it's, it's a demonstration of God wanting to be among men and women to fellowship with them. So since the beginning, this isn't like a new idea. This is something that God has created into the fabric of the universe of him desiring for us to be in the presence of him. A few examples is first part of Isaiah 51, 55.1 says, Come, everyone who thirsts. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And Revelation 22.17 says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What the text doesn't say is, what, what Matthew eleven twenty eight doesn't say, what the rest of these verses don't say is, come to me after your hard times. Like after you've gone through it a little bit, after you, you know, you've hit rock bottom, after this, you've gone through this trial, then, then come to me. That's not what it's saying. Jesus is saying, no, come to me before. He says, come to me now as you are, not after. Don't wait for the hard time to come. Don't wait for the trial to come. Jesus hasn't even brought up the burden. Jesus hasn't even brought up the heavy laden. He says, first, come to me, an invitation to intimacy. We need to first realize that God genuinely desires us. He genuinely desires to be, for us to be within his presence. And the thing is, and the reality is, guys, we, we are so... Um, we, we're, we're so quick to forget. We, it's so easy for us to forget that we have a father who literally says, come. Isn't that so true in, in, in the moments where you're feeling low, in the moments where you're wondering where God is, in the moments that you have maybe stumbled or whatever it may be, or you did hit rock, rock bottom, and then it's at that moment where it clicks and you're like, oh, wow, God desires for me to come. And another thing that factors into this whole idea of knowing that God desires you, knowing that God is there waiting for you just to come to him, is that we need faith. We need faith to remember that God desires us. 
Sometimes it's not easy to know that God desires this, but that's why it requires faith. Because if our faith is lacking, we won't believe God so desperately wants intimate relationship with us. We'll be so quick to forget. Hebrews 11.6 says this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the reason I kind of bring up all this, God desires you, God wants you to come to him, when he says, when Jesus says, come to me, is it's not just so you know that he's welcoming or he's accepting. It's not just so you're like, oh, that's cool that you know, God wants my presence, he wants me to be around him. Intimacy is getting to know God's character. It's not simply just being there. It's getting to know God more. Discovering, oh, there's a, there's a God and I'm, I'm not him. Resting in the presence of the Lord isn't just about knowing we're welcomed or accepted, which is a big part of it, but it's knowing that we get to know our creator that much more. The God who created the universe, the God who created grass and the ocean and, and sees every detail from the beginning to the end. And then you have this sovereign idea of who God is and knowing that he is, he is the most beautiful thing that you could ever imagine. And that God who created so much and does so much and it's so hard for us to get it through our heads. It's so hard for us to understand that this God could truly exist, but this God wants us. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it's so simple. Jesus starts with saying, come to me, this invitation to intimacy. And the funny thing is how often as Christians do we hear this, right? Even now you hear, you hear come to me. Sorry, I keep touching my hair. It falls all the time. Um, it says, come to me. And we forget about it so often. Like we can hear that and hear that. We can hear it Sunday morning. We can hear it until we're like in church for however many years. But yet for some reason, it's not, it's not sitting in. It's not settling into our hearts. And so if I had to convince you of one thing this morning, guys, is that the Lord genuinely desires and wants to spend time with you. The question is, is is it the same for you? Do you want to spend time with God? And when Jesus says, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he's, he's inviting us. He's inviting his children. He's essentially saying, know my ways. He's saying, do life with me at work, at school, whatever you do, do life with me. He says, know my abounding grace that I have for you. Know my steadfast love for you that's never changing and is always there. Know the rhythms of rest that I have set for you. It's an invitation to, to know that we are welcomed. It's to know that we can grow closer and deeper in our walk with him, but to also be comforted. Verse 28, continue on, it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor and are heavy laden. So Jesus continues this exhortation. He continues this invitation to us, specifically to those who are weary, to those, to those who labor. And, and weary meaning tired, exhausted, burdened. And he also says to those who are heavy laden. So, so to those who are carrying a weighty load. 
to those who are carrying a burden that is just too much. And I taught Nehemiah at the Bible College in, um, in New York. And, and one of the stories that always really hits me hard is, is you guys know in Nehemiah when um, they're, you know, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. He gets all the people to agree on this work of building the wall. And it, there's, this beautiful things that hap- there's this beautiful thing that happens where they all unify over the work. And they, they go for it. They start to do it. They start to build the wall. And then uh, in chapter 4, the enemies really start to persecute them and to mock them and make fun of them. And before you know it, you have these, these, the, the, the people of Jerusalem growing discouraged over the lies of the enemy. And before you know it, they're looking at the rubble and they say, there's too much. So, so in that story, you see them carrying this weight, this burden that made them take their eyes off of God and look at their mess. And that story always blessed me so much because it's so true to our own personal lives today. How often are we carrying these loads, these burdens by taking our eyes off of God and just looking at the mess and saying it is way too much for me? God, how could you do this? God, how could you make me whole again? God, how could you make this job happen? How could you get me to point A when I'm struggling so much? Lord, it's just too much. And then Jesus says so classically, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I'm pretty sure most of us in this room can agree to some point. I know we don't all have the same struggles, but we can definitely say amen. Yeah, I get that. The whole heavy, the whole burden, the whole being discouraged, the whole being beaten down. Thing. Yeah, I, I know what that's like. I'm going through it at the moment. I think we could all testify. We could all, if I asked you to raise your hands, you, you know, raise your hand. We could all agree that whether now or in the past or in the future, we will be carrying burdens that are too heavy to carry. And so what this shows us is that we're all in desperate need for restoration, we're all in des- even as believers, we're in desperate need for renewal. For God's to set our, our priorities straight. Because like I said before, we're so quick to take our eyes off the Lord and forget. Just like Peter when, you know, he's so classic, the classic story of him walking on the water and he's so confident and he's looking at Jesus and then Jesus is there and, and Peter's stoked, he's looking at the water and he can't believe what's happening. And as, as soon as he looks at, at, you know, the waves around him and the chaos, then he begins to sink, Right? Then he begins to look at the mess around him and he takes his confidence off of the Lord and, and he starts to sink. And then Jesus catches him and says, you have little faith. But he's so gracious in the way that he reaches out his hand to Peter. So we're all in need of, of fixing our eyes on the Lord, setting our priorities straight. And I, I think most of us could agree. And this is why I'm so passionate about this, this subject of rest is because we can get so far into serving, so far into what we do and, and forget that are we even praying? Are we even spending our time with the Lord? Because there was a point in my life where even as a Bible college student or after Bible college where you do so much, you serve and you plan and, and whatever it is, but then you, you sit there and you think about it and you're like, I haven't even prayed today or read, read my Bible or thought about Jesus a little. And then the reality kind of kicks in that you're losing that intimacy between you and the Lord. And it's not a workspace thing. It's just we forget the beauty of the invitation. It's not like a Jesus looking at you like, really, man? Again? You're not? All right. Yeah, I'm done. See you later. You know, I've given you like 100 chances. That's why this is the story of the Bible. Jesus is constantly, constantly inviting people who 
forget about him, who deny him. If you just even read the Old Testament with like Psalm 78 or literally any of the books that just show the history, the repetitive, repetitive uh, nature of humans where, you know, they would turn to God, God would provide, right? And then they would, you know, worship false idols and then God would be gracious and provide and then over and over and over again. But yet every single time, God's grace was compassionate toward his people. And he always just longed to have his people within his presence. So how much more encouraging for us as believers that we know when we take our eyes off of God, like Peter, when he started to sink, we can cling back to Jesus. We can go back to his presence. And so we're all in need of renewal. We're all in need of restoration. And I want, I want you to think about this. Why are we often not coming to God with our burdens? When we're heavy laden, when we're discouraged, when we have burdens that are too heavy to carry, why are we not coming to God when we're so desperate for renewal? When we're so desperate for God to change the circumstance of our life, why are we not going to God for it? And I think this is the answer because, like I said earlier, we're often distracted. We are often distracted. Giving in to this cultural normality of hurry and busyness, especially um, in our day and age with phones and with everything that we have now. It's, it's, we're at an all-time high of just distraction after distraction after distraction. It's hard, like, saying hi to someone without being like, oh, yeah, sorry, oh, okay, yep, all right, yeah, sorry, I was listening. It's, like, so hard to be fully engaged nowadays. And so even now, we're, we're at this all-time high of being tested to, to really focus in on what the Lord has for us. So, so I think that one of the biggest problems is that we're often distracted. And so in the famous story of, of Mary and Martha, I'm going to read it real quick. In Luke chapter 10, 38 through 40, it says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed, welcomed him into her house. And she, said she had a sist- and, um, and she said she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So we, you know, we all know the famous story of Mary and Martha. It's been taught several times, but it's, it's so good. And we see that Martha, obviously, she wasn't sinning. She wasn't like doing this, this crazy act against the Lord purposely, you know, trying to act out or anything like that. You know, she actually thought what she was doing was, was, was good. And so she wasn't sinning. She just wasn't pausing. Martha was just not sitting at, at Jesus' feet, but she was, she was busy doing things and making the, the, you know, the place look pretty. Martha was busy, distracted, preparing her home for Jesus. And even though she had great intentions, a great heart behind it, and she wanted to please Jesus as he walked into her home, I'm I'm pretty sure every single one of you, if someone was coming over, you'd hopefully try to make the house look a little nice. But, you know, she's making the house look prettier than you see Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the story always kind of compelled me because I, 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 the way I always viewed it was like, yeah, Mar- Martha's not necessarily in the wrong, and you know, Mary's at the feet of Jesus, but then there's that kind of temptation. I feel like if I were Mary, I'd be sitting at the Lord's feet, and I, I would see Martha doing stuff, and I'd be like, should I, like, am I being lazy? I, should I go help her real quick, or, you know, what should I do? And or you see it from Martha's perspective, and she's like, 
We can sit with the Lord at his feet after. Come on, let's make the house look nice. And so there's always that temptation to do. There's always that temptation to, to okay, you know, someone needs me. Let me just get this done, and then I'll, then I'll sit with the Lord. Then I'll be in his presence. But the beautiful thing that we know about this story is that Mary just sat at the Lord's feet and that Martha was distracted. And I think oftentimes in the church today, we look more holy. We look closer to God. We even look more successful, given into that kind of cultural norm, norm, normality, by, by how much we do and how busy we are. You look closer and more holy and closer to God, right? People are like, oh wow, that guy must love Jesus. That girl must really love the Lord because look at she doesn't have a single time to just settle down and take a break. And I think that's one of our temptations as Christians. We see people who are always busy and are like, man, man, I need to be like that. And the Lord's using them. And I'm not saying the Lord doesn't use people like that. My point is, it is better to have a right relationship with the Lord than to always be doing. And there's a temptation to do and do and do and never give a thought to the Lord. And that's why this message is honestly so convicting to me. And, and if I could open up to you guys for a second, there was such a time in my life where I was serving and serving and serving and teaching. And it's crazy how much you can do. And, and, then, and then you just get to that, that rut where you're like, wow, I'm not resting in the Lord. And before I knew it, my intimacy with the Lord was kind of cut off and I was, I was kind of fading and it was so convicting for me because I, I would get up and I would teach in front of people, but my, my heart wasn't completely there for the Lord. Like something else had taken the throne of my heart, whether that be people t- took the throne of my heart, um, pleasing people, whatever it may be. You know, you, you know what your own struggle is. There's, there's so many things that demand our attention. And if we're not careful, are we, are we serving in church but not actually thinking about the Lord while we do it? We need to make sure that our heart is first set on Jesus and then through that, then he feels what we do in our work. And the reality of this, this sad truth is if we're not careful, we will burn out. If we're not careful with resting in Jesus, it won't, we won't last long. You'll be working hard, you'll be going, you'll be going, you'll be going, and then you'll remember that you weren't in the presence of the Lord, and then you'll be burning out, and you'll be asking, what's wrong and where is God? When in reality, Jesus says, come to me. I want you, I desire you, I love you. I want to strengthen you and renew you. In my presence is where you become whole again. So where do we go to experience renewal? What do we do with all this information? You know, I had mentioned how we live in this modern culture that's so busy and distracting and we can get distracted and we can be discouraged, we can have burdens. So what do we do? Where do we go for this renewal? Jesus answers the question in the rest of the verse in verse 28, it says, come to me, all who are, um, all who labor and are heavy laden And I, I, Jesus, will give you rest. I will give you rest. So what's Jesus' solution here Um, in this life of hurt, in this life of hurry, in this life of burden and distraction? Jesus' solution is to go to God and rest. That's his solution. You're probably thinking like, what? 
Like there's not like a, you know, hey, this is how you fix your problems. This is how you become a whole again. You know, no, Jesus says, come and rest. And you'll discover as you spend more time with God, as you spend more time in your word, as you spend more time in prayer, there's no better place in life to be than resting in the presence of Jesus. You can never heal. You can never be restored without sitting and resting in the presence of the Lord. See, guys, when I had told you earlier that I was going, 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 and my kind of, my time with the Lord had kind of cut off, I was, in my heart, I felt in turmoil. In my heart, I felt weak. In my heart, I felt broken. In my, my heart, I felt alone. In my heart, there were so many different things happening. And I was in desperate need for strength. I was in def, des, desperate need for renewal. And so it, I realized that I'm just going, I'm just going, and I'm going, and I'm not sitting, I'm not thinking, I'm not resting. And it was at that moment that I knew, I can't just expect God to do this crazy work of renewal and strengthening in my life if, all, if I don't even give him a, a second of my day. If I don't pause and think about him and even love him or adore him, how do I expect God to continue to, to grow me? But God is so gracious. Even in that, he reaches out to us. Even in our denying, even in our ignorance and, and walking away from him, he still reaches his hand out to us and he still invites us and he's still there for us. He's so gracious. And so our, our modern problem is that we're in, we live in an over-busy culture and, and the reality is that the enemy, he wants you to be too busy for Jesus. He really does. The enemy desires for you to be too busy for Jesus so that you burn out and that you forsake Christianity, you forsake God because you gave in to being too busy for Jesus. And before you know it, you question him, you question who he is, and you grow discouraged. But I think our, 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 our solution to this, this modern problem is actually um, something that's in Genesis. So kind of our old solution is rest is actually built into the fabric of the universe. Have you ever thought about that? Like in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, when God rests on the seventh day, he is, God wasn't exhausted. We know that, right? God wasn't exhausted when he created, when, you know, on the, he, he creates the world and he goes through creating the animals and all these different things and on the seventh day he rests and he sits right god we know that god wasn't exhausted but he was intentionally creating rest into the rhythms of life how beautiful is that and then from that from god resting on the seventh day obviously we got the sabbath where people you know god's people were called to take a literal day of rest to stop working to stop toil and that Hebrew word Shabbat means obviously to stop, but it can also mean to delight. And so God, on the seventh day of creation, he looked at his creation, he stopped, he rested intentionally, and he delighted in his work. And so when we operate out of place of rest, we are giving into the rhythms of grace that God has built for us and taking over that overall lifestyle of delighting in what God has done in our lives. Isn't that so beautiful? A few byproducts of rest and things that come naturally through applying this to our lives is 
Resting in Jesus is remembering he is our friend. Resting in Jesus is remembering, because how often do we just go through life and forget so much about the characteristics of God, but resting in Jesus is remembering Jesus is our friend. Resting in Jesus reminds us we don't have to prove a thing he already has. Resting in Jesus means we have no need to worry. You, you sit there long enough to just think about the problem and think about our Lord, our Savior, and how, how great and big and massive and how much he can do, and, and you begin to lose the worry. And resting in Jesus, our hearts begin to beat again. Like I said, you can grow so weak and grow so discouraged, but resting in the presence of the Lord, that's, that's where you start to feel life. And that's why Jesus invites us into this intimacy with him so that our hearts may beat again. Our weary hearts that became so discouraged and so tired can begin to beat again. And rest, whether you do it through Sabbath or not, there's so many different ways of learning how to slow down, learning how to spend more time in the presence of the Lord. But rest does not make you work less. Don't let me get you wrong. I'm not trying to say like, yeah, let me just like binge Netflix real quick and, you know, then read a few Proverbs and then, you know, go to bed. Like, no, rest isn't this lazy thing where you just are like, let me like lay in bed all day. That's not the idea here. Rest is, is not so you work less. It actually gives you a fresh perspective and empowerment to, to work better. Right, that whole idea of delighting. When you rest in the presence of the Lord, you're, you're giving into the rhythms of what God created in Genesis chapter two, and you're delighting in his work, you're delighting in his creation, and you're delighting in his promises that he has for you. And oftentimes when we rest in the presence of the Lord, we're, we're reminded of just how good he is. Sometimes when you're angry about something, when you're weary or anxious about something, you sit long enough, and this doesn't always happen, don't get me wrong, but when you sit in the presence of the Lord, your problems grow so much smaller and you realize our God is so much bigger. So resting, once again, it doesn't make you, doesn't mean we work less, doesn't mean we be lazy, doesn't mean we just sit around. It actually gives you a fresh perspective and empowerment to work better. And the reason I love Jesus said this to the disciples is because like I had said at the beginning of the message that you know, he was teaching them on all these hard truths, right? They know that they were gonna go into a life that was full of struggle and a life that was full of, of attacks, a life full of distraction. And so Jesus is equipping them with some of the, the best truth here. That as they go into this reality that is set before them to walk in, in, in power, they first learn, need to learn how to rest in the presence of the Lord. I love that Jesus is telling this to his disciples. I love it. And I love that Jesus also, throughout the entire Bible, and even the apostles through the New Testament, they always encourage us to, to, to remember, not to forget, right? Because we're so quick to forget. I wanted to continue reading from verse 28 to 29. It says this. Let's just read the verse 28 again. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So apart from Jesus and our own strength, the burden, right, is, is weighty. It's, it's too much to carry. But for some reason, we think we can do it 24-7. For some reason, we take it upon ourselves and we think we're fine. But with Jesus, not in our own strength, but in his strength, the burden is light. See, I know, I know even now as you hear that told, you, you maybe nod your head and you agree and you say, yeah, yeah, I know that. I've read the verse before. Well, let's practice applying it then. Because even for me, as I read this, I go, yeah, yeah, I know. I've heard that a few hundred times. But how often do we operate out of our own strength that is so limited when we have a loving father who not only invites us but wants us to get to know him more and actually carries that load for us when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not something to condemn us. It's not something to freak us out. It's not something to go, oh, okay, I'll try to, you're right, I'll try to rest in him more. No, it's it's this beautiful invitation, guys. It's this loving embrace from a father who so desperately just wants you. And I think we often forget that Jesus genuinely loves us. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I think just we as Christians, we, you know, obviously we're called to be humble. We're called to all these things, but we're so quick to forget that Jesus actually genuinely really loves you as a person. Yes, our works are yet like dust and, you know, we're, 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 we're dust and our works are like filthy rags. But, but you know Jesus loves you, right? He loves you enough to send his son to die for you on a cross. I'm pretty sure that means Jesus really is in love with you. So apart from Jesus and our own strength, the burden is too weighty. It's too much. But with Jesus and his strength, the burden is light. I wanted to read this quote to you. Um, One of my uh, favorite pastors right now, John Mark Comer, says this. He says, Jesus' invitation to take up his yoke to travel through life at his side, learning from him how to shoulder the weight of life with ease. To step out, I love this part, he says, to step out of the burnout society to a life of soul rest. To step out of the burnout society to a life of soul rest. It's crazy. There was this article done for like BuzzFeed or something. And, and in this article, um, it was mostly talking about people in New York, but it said how we live in a burnout culture now like like especially among millennials like we live in an all-time high of burnout and so let's prevent that from continuing to to like cancer spread into the church and take us over and and forgetting about jesus and forgetting about spending time with him let's give into this idea of soul rest and i hope by by all this we can reflect on these truths if you could take anything away from today, if you could take anything away from this idea, is that Jesus loves you. That Jesus so desperately wants your attention. And, and if you don't believe me, just read Genesis and then read all the way through to Revelation. <laughs> and like Mary, sit there with your father with your creator even when there's temptation to do 
Just sit there. Just sit and enjoy the presence of our Father. And I think the, the struggle is, you know, there's some people who are more busy than others. There's some people who work full-time jobs and they can't even get a second to drink water. They're just like, dude, you don't understand. I can't sit. <laughs> I can't rest. But that's between you and the Lord. And whether that means getting up earlier or whatever it may be, find that time to, to just dwell in his presence. Resting is simply delighting. And in his presence, he will refill you. He will strengthen you. But he just desires that you come to him as his sons and his daughters. God's not a genie. He's, he's just our loving father who desires to be with us. Continuing on in, in Luke, the story of Mary and Martha in verse 40 through 42, it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. So gracious in the way he says this. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What is it in your life that you're anxious about, you're troubled about, that is burdening you, that is weighty on you? And how can you learn how to just listen to those humbling, convicting, yet loving words of Jesus when he says, come to me? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, Lord. God, we want to thank you for how gracious you are and the fact that we can often be so distracted, so consumed with, with distraction, especially in a digital age that we live in. But Father, you are, you are eager to meet with us. You are eager to speak to us and to be with us and to, for us to enjoy your presence, God. And so, Father, I pray that if anyone in here is weary, is, is tired, is just exhausted, Father, that we will learn to just submit to you. Father, that we will learn to just love sitting before you and hearing from you. And Lord, teach us to hear your voice. Teach us to love you, to long for you, God. Lord, I pray that if we're moving too fast or maybe even too slow, God, that we'll just learn how to walk at a pace that is healthy in our relationship with you. Jesus, help us to pay attention to the rhythms that you've created in life of grace, of rest, all for the intention of us getting to know you more. We're welcomed by you. We are loved by you. And so Jesus, we pray this all in your name. Amen.